everyone, to another episode of my weird little podcast. Uh, today we have Patrick, who's here a lot. Uh, I don't know if you heard Susie in the background meowing. <laughs> um, she really wants to go out right now. So uh, give me two seconds here. <laughs> All right, sorry. You know when you open the door for them to go out and then they don't go out and they just they look just... at it like, why are you opening this door? I just wanted to <laughs> scream at the crack of the door. You know, yeah. why would you think that means you need to open it? <laughs> and then she bursts through my door like it's the shining. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she like puts her two front paws up and just like pushes and like right, comes yeah. through. Um I don't know. I, it reminds me more of like Kramer from Seinfeld coming in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, I'm Tia. Hey, everyone. Uh, this is my weird little podcast. Um, although it is a, uh, what is it? The Royal We. It is the Royal My. Um, to be yours, you know. Um, mm-hmm. You are referring it to other people which you should be doing, um, <laughs> please do that. Um, then yes, I guess it is yours as well. Um, so we talk about weird stuff, true crime, paranormal. I've been on like a cryptid kick for a while, but that's not what we're doing today. Um, but there will be many, many more. Uh, my friend Sonia gave me a suggestion for a cryptid. Let me pull it up. Um, oh my god, Mitchell just sent me a picture of him in a wig that made my day. I'm gonna have to respond to him. Shout out to Mr. Spooky13 for being a bestie of the podcast. Sonia uh gave me the suggestion for the Ninjin N-I-N-G-E-N Ninjin Ninjin Ocean Monster. I don't know what that is. I did say I was going to do an episode on mermaids, if uh, possible, in the future. Just mermaids in general. I mean, they are cryptid, I guess, technically. Um, they're, so, they're ocean monsters. Ocean what? I said they're ocean monsters. Ocean monsters, yeah. I guess, yeah. Uh, depending on I, you know, what story you're listening to. You know, uh, so maybe I'll do that in the future. We'll see. Um, but yeah, but also shout out to my other listeners, Ace and Sarah, who are my coworkers as well. Thank you for putting up with my shenanigans, not only at work, but also, uh, you know, on your weekends when you listen to this <laughs> at home. Uh, can't get enough of me. So uh, we'll get into our story today. Uh, today's story suggestion came from my wonderful, beautiful niece, Sabrina. I love her so much. I'm so very proud of her. Uh, She is working very hard to get a culinary degree, and I am so excited for her. And she gave me the suggestion of this story, which is incredibly dark and um, disturbing. Um, (laughs) And I don't know how I feel about that. Um, This wouldn't be a story I would typically pick. I'll be honest, because there is a lot of trauma in this story, and I tend to veer away from that sort of thing. Even though I have covered some of that in the past, um, I try to keep things a little lighthearted. But 
she wanted to hear about it. So here we go. So first off, I'm going to definitely, um, what is the word? I'm definitely going to give a warning ahead of time. Uh, little, uh, preamble of this. <laughs> um, so we do talk about, uh, incest, sexual assault, uh, torture, abuse. So if those things are triggering to you, this would be the time to not listen to this episode. Go back to one of my earlier episodes, maybe, you know, check out the Phantom Kangaroo episode if you haven't already, or, you know, one of those little more lighthearted episodes. Mitchell and I did a great episode on uh, paranormal TV from the 90s, especially, and that is a lot of fun. So, uh, if that isn't, if this is not something for you, then that would be the episode. And now would be the time to, uh, to log on to that there. So, um, I'm going to give you two seconds to make your decision <laughs> right now. All right. So today's story is about Eddie Lee Sexton and his family murder cult. Um, so, of course, I got my information from the two pedias, Wikipedia and Murder Murderpedia. If you haven't been to Murderpedia, what's stopping you? Uh, check it out. Uh, I also got some of the stuff from investigationdiscovery.com, two YouTube channels, uh, Summer Sanchez and Hebe GB's TV, which I thoroughly enjoyed, both of those. Um, I love YouTube just in general, you know, uh, I could go on about that, but you can learn anything. Uh, you could definitely get lost down a couple of rabbit holes with that. So we'll just get into it. I'm going to hope this is short. I don't have a lot of notes on it. It's pretty straightforward, um, because this is horribly uncomfortable. So, uh, yeah, so we'll get into it. All right, so today's episode is on Eddie Lee Sexton and his family murder cult. So Eddie Lee Sexton was born May 12th, 1942, near rural Logan, West Virginia, to a family of coal miners. His father was part-time bap- uh, part-time Baptist preacher. Uh, he was the youngest of 10 children. His father passed away in 1952 when Eddie was 10 years old. Uh, He spent some time in juvenile detention. Uh, And in 1963, when he was 21, he committed armed robbery of a gas station. uh, The day after he married his pregnant 15-year-old girlfriend. Uh, He was sentenced to five years in state prison for the robbery. And his wife filed for divorce after giving birth to a son named Patrick. And no, it's not you. Just letting you know. Thank you. Thank you. The timeline, ah, uh, no, the timeline wouldn't match up. <laughs> You'd be a lot older. Okay. Um, now, oh, uh, not off to a great start for Eddie Lee Sexton, but, you know, that is no excuse for what is to come later on. So, uh, Eddie later married Estelle May. Uh, she and him would have 12 children to get 12. All right. Make a note of that now. Um, (laughs) Eddie would later marry Estelle May, uh, and they would have 12 children together. Eddie and Estelle settled 
in, ja in Jackson uh, Township, Ohio, near Cleveland. Uh, Eddie regarded was regarded as uh, charming and polite upon first impression, but those who knew him well saw him as a serial con artist and fraudster. Uh, though receiving Social Security disability payments due to an allegedly serious back injury, uh, he would he also worked for cash as a painter and handyman. Uh, he was suspected of having committed insurance fraud by setting three fires uh, at his homes uh, in the 1980s and faking burglaries and falsely reporting stolen items. So, yeah. Um, so in the 70s, he briefly worked as an independent Christian preacher because of course he did. Um, and uh, he uh, he uh, had a highly unorthodox, unorthodox doctrine emphasizing sex and apocalyptic predictions that he would later use to indoctrine and intimidate his children. Uh, he would hold private a uh, private wedding in his front yard for town members. So that's what he was kind of known for in the town was like having these small wedding ceremonies for uh, the town members. I mean, I guess he was well liked, you know, still, even though um, he obviously yeah. wasn't trustworthy, you know, but like uh, it's like always this way with like people who are actually bad people, but they're using like Christianity and religion as like a guys like they're very charming very charismatic but there's something about them that isn't trustworthy and people who really look deeper and really like have the veil lifted from their eyes like can see that but some people just can't and you know it's just it's it's so bad anyways yeah. uh <laughs> journalist lowell caulfield uh wrote Eddie Lee Sexton certainly maintained his own place of worship, but nobody could figure out what gospel he was preaching. A uh, little general occult, a little fundamentalism, a little Satanism, a little sci-fi hustle. Uh, neighbor Augusta Houston would report that Eddie claimed to worship both God and the devil. So this sounds very much like, um, uh, what's his name? L. Ron Hubbard. You know, it sounds very much like let's just combine everything into a convoluted mess and use it to really um, push forth my own personal narrative. You know, yeah. and honestly, that's what, uh, you know, Alistair Crowley did. Also, a friend of the podcast, Mr. Uh, Anton LaVey, who I have very mixed feelings about as well definitely used a lot of occultisms you know to push his own narrative granted Anton LaVey was just you know uh playing a keyboard with his cats in his smelly house you know uh not you know and taking uh doing backyard photo shoots with you know Jane Mansfield but you know uh <laughs> not gonna condone using other religions and putting your own spin on them in order to uh gain fame and followers like definitely not going to do that 
you know, sounds fun, but we're not doing that. So, uh, so um, his son, Charles, uh, so if I refer to Charles a lot in this, we're actually talking about his son, Charles, uh, who came out much later and he spoke a lot about his father. He was definitely part of a lot of these horrible things that I'm going to talk about. You know, here's your other, you know, moment if you need to leave. Um, but Charles would would talk later and he actually um he was the one to come to police and give like a full confession on his role in everything that I'm about to talk about. And he very much admitted that he was compl complicit in these things. Um, he was a child through most of this, and this was his father. So, you know, I guess he gets a pass, you know, because he didn't know better. Um, but when I refer to Charles, uh, that's who I'm referring to as one of these 12 children. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna sip my coffee before I get into uh, <laughs> too much of this. <laughs> so Charles, the son, noted that everybody adored and loved uh, the seemingly polite and religious Eddie, but behind closed doors, he made his family's life hell. Uh, there's no uh, there's no explanation how much hate I've got for the man, uh, Charles Sexton would say about his father. So um, according to Charles, his father's manipulation stretched back to when he was a young boy. Uh, one evening, he and his brother woke up and saw a beast tapping at their window. Uh, by the time the terrified children alerted their mother, the creature was gone. Uh, Eddie uh, had actually dressed up in disguise and claimed that the boys had seen Satan. And he told them, however, that if they followed absolutely everything he told them to do, that the devil would never return to hurt them. Uh, Charles would say, my father, he dabbled in cults. Uh, he was his own church. And uh, he shared that one day my father told all of us kids uh, that he was the alpha, the omega, and the beginning and the end. Uh, things started getting really crazy in the house, uh, he would say, uh, as the situation with his father developed over time. On another occasion, Charles uh, recalled that his father slit their cat Misty's throat in front of his children uh, and family during a bizarre ceremony, uh, drained the pet's blood into a chalice and then forced everyone to drink it. Uh, he, he told us never to talk about it, never speak of it. So yes. uh, years later, their babysitter would recall the terrible details. Uh, this, that the Sexton children were shy, hungry children who seemed starved for attention. As young as three, they were sometimes left tied to their beds in the dark uh, in their own waste as punishment. Uh, they lived in rooms without electricity, without furniture. And uh, when it started to rain, the children would run outside and the rain uh, and raise their faces to the sky. Jesus is coming, they would say, hoping he would take them away. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, so uh, he would hold seances with his children 
that included animal sacrifices. Uh, he made the children believe that he had the power to summon and communicate with spirits and made them sign a contract with their blood, pledging their obedience to their father. Uh, the children were only allowed to have one friend each. Uh, they were not allowed to go to friends' houses or have friends over. So this was a form of the father trying to isolate them, you know, give them the illusion of, well, I allowed you to have one friend. So that gives the illusion of freedom, but it is really trying to alienate and isolate them. Uh, and he would encourage the children to rat on each other. Um, one day, Sherry was caught by one of her brothers uh, talking to one of her teachers uh, and her father beat her. Uh, Eddie would also threaten to take the life of their mother. Uh, he also, uh, on top of all of this, he was sexually assaulting his children and had several children with his own daughters. Uh, Eddie then entered into marriages with at least two or more of his own daughters and fathered multiple children with Pixie, his daughter, while she was in high school. And we're going to talk about Pixie quite a lot because she is, she is a piece of work. And, you know, only excuse I could give her is that obviously she's been raised into a very disgusting and traumatic environment, you know, which isn't setting her up for having good judgment, but who oh man, <laughs> she is okay. definitely, um, brainwashed, you know, when it comes down to it. So there was definitely a wedding ceremony between Eddie and Pixie. This is something that was definitely documented or, uh, you know, recounted by Charles later on. Uh, so one day, uh, Pixie came down into the living room, uh, and she was wearing a white veil. Eddie announced to the family that he was going to marry Pixie. Uh, he performed the ceremony in the living room with his entire family, uh, watching, including his wife. Uh, apparently she was looking down at her feet the entire time because this was probably very, upsetting to her you know but she couldn't yeah. express that there was no way that she could express that you know uh to this man who is willing to threaten her life uh to the children you know right so it's yeah um according to charles pixie was actually happy about the marriage uh he would end up having three children with her uh, Eddie and Pixie would end up having three children together. So when she was pregnant with her third child, out of fear of being found out, Eddie encouraged Pixie to go out and find a really nice guy so she could claim that this other guy was the father of her child. So he actually, I mean, and this sounds so much like, oh God, what was that? Oh my God, what was that cult where they did flirty fishy? Uh, where they were like encouraging the women to go out and flirt to get more people into the cult. Uh, Children of God, I think is what the cult was. Uh, and it sounds so much like that, you know, and so disturbing, you know. Crazy, I will yeah. say the Source family kind of did that as well. Although the Source family definitely is not 
as bad as what's going on here, what happened with Children of God, Source Family. I did an episode on that of, on Hollywood's Haunted, the podcast. And honestly, they're my favorite cult because uh, they didn't do a lot that was harmful and dangerous. They really just served a lot of vegan food from their fancy fancy <laughs> little restaurant on Sunset Boulevard. And, you know, uh, Jacoba uh, took care of himself uh, at the end. Instead of obliterating everyone, he just kind of took his own life. Uh, you know, whether directly or not, you'll have to listen to that episode to find out exactly how he did that. But he definitely brought the whole situation to an end, which is probably the best thing you can do for your cult is just let them go. <laughs> you know, not, <laughs> let your not people go. <laughs> take away their future, you know, just let them do their own thing at a point. But, you know, uh, they're interesting little cult but they they also did there was a lot of like having the women be these flirty you know uh honey traps for these for these men so that's what this all reminds me of here um so uh she did actually go out and she found a nice guy his name was joel good uh they went to school together and uh he was nice obviously overly trusting and was considered to be slow-witted so they took advantage of maybe his lower intelligence which is very sad uh joel's family of course was cautious of the relationship uh, but joel didn't listen pixie and joel got married and would name their baby boy skipper lee uh so continuing on the unhinged eddie next began training his children how to fight and kill in a war he believed that would eventually happen. Uh, he would eventually wage war against the cops over their land and family. Um, so this is something that actually did happen later on, but he started training them already in his mind that something was going to happen. So um, uh, April of 1992, uh, his daughter, Michelle, actually spoke with social services at her school and the authorities launched an investigation. Uh, when the police showed up to the kids, uh, showed up, the kids confirmed that Michelle, uh, confirmed what Michelle had said and three children were, were actually removed, but they were then returned later due to lack of evidence, um, which is, the system is not good, you know. Uh, at this time there were only six children living in the home at this time uh most of the children had already grown up and moved on so uh november uh police were investigating again and moved to remove uh moved in to remove all of the children eddie then barricaded the entire the entire home uh eddie called the police himself and told them that he would take the lives of his children should they arrive he also instructed his children to shoot the police if needed. Uh, this resulted in a two-day standoff that ended after a deputy convinced Eddie to surrender. Uh, but he, but Eddie would be bonded out of jail. Uh, and the Sextons, including Pixie's boyfriend, Joel, and their new baby, Skip, Skipper, fled to a campground in Florida. So at this time, 
Eddie, Estelle, Willie, Charles, Sherry, Pixie, Joel, and Pixie's three kids are uh, camped out at Little Manatee Star Park in Florida. Uh, and this time, the kids were actually drinking quite a bit. Uh, there was also reports of them inhaling, like inhaling fumes. Um, so uh, Eddie started training these children on drills to prepare them for war, which he had done in the past. But this time he was uh, kind of said, putting them through like a boot camp. Um, baby Skipper soon fell ill. And of course, was not taken to the hospital. Um, I don't know if you're shaking your head or if you're trying to pet the cat on the back of the chair right now, but both both are good choices. Now um, that I'm, it, it was petting the cat, but it's also shaking the head. Like, oh my god! Like this just gets it's just gets, gets crazier and crazier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Luckily, we're about we're about a little more than halfway through this, so there's not much more to the story. I do encourage you guys if this story does interest you uh that go on youtube there's several youtubers that talk about this story and they really each get into different aspects of the story i really scaled this down because i'm very uncomfortable talking about these things so i tried really hard not to go into detail about some of the darker things that happen i really don't like talking about assault uh too much you know that's not really what I uh what I want to get into you know I'm already uncomfortable right here but you know I do encourage you guys if this does interest you there is a lot more out there with this story this is just a little bit of it but we're about to get into the real real part of this here <laughs> so um baby skipper soon fell ill uh she of course was not taken to the hospital um, I don't know if that's because of their beliefs or most likely that would, I feel like it was out of fear of finding out who Skipper's real father was and what was actually going on with this family. And the baby would cry constantly. And Eddie ordered Pixie to quiet the baby or he would do it for her. And this is where there are very... Con conflicting accounts of what happens at this point. So, um, you know, but most of them say that Pixie put her hand over Skipper's uh, mouth to quiet her and Skipper would pass away. So, uh, yeah, uh, the baby was buried in the forest, uh, wrapped in a blanket in a gym bag, placed in trash bags and buried in the woods. Uh, Joel was distraught. Obviously he thought this child was his. He loved this baby quite a lot. Um, and he was distraught about losing his son. Uh, Pixie had told Joel that the baby had died of SIDS. And uh, Joel would start actually questioning the family at this time he started to get really suspicious. You know, this was kind of the breaking point. Uh, and uh, he was asking questions about everything. Um, and uh, he would eventually find out who the father of the first two children were, which was Eddie. 
And uh, he started to suspect that uh, Pixie may have killed Skipper. Uh, so Joel actually went to the local library with Pixie and he wanted to research SIDS. Uh, Eddie had followed Pixie and Joel to the library and there was an altercation that was actually documented at the Tampa University, November 30th of 1993. It was witnessed by Gail Novak, uh, who was a librarian there. Uh, now Eddie would con eventually convince Joel uh, that he would fix the situation by replacing Skipper. And his plan was to steal a baby from his son, Eddie Jr., uh, and uh, in Ohio. So Charles and Eddie ended up driving to Ohio. Uh, now, Charles at this time was compl complicit with his father. He did what his father told him. And Charles is, like I said, is the one who most of the story we get from his account because he would be the one to talk to police later on. Um, and Charles was instructed to get rid of Eddie's wife, you know, so they were going to knock on the door, get, kill Eddie's wife and then take the baby. Luckily when they got to the home, nobody was there when they knocked on the door. Uh, now Joel actually wanted to go back to Ohio. Uh, I don't know why exactly but Joel tried to leave uh and Eddie ended up saying to him that the only way you will go back to Ohio is as a corpse which is foreshadowing here um mm. so uh Eddie starts another plan to get rid of Joel so Eddie starts uh training his son Willie on how to use a garrote um, a garrote is actually uh, like a string thing, yeah, with two handles, you know, and you wrap it around someone's neck to strangle them. And um, so uh, sometime between Thanksgiving and Christmas of 1993, uh, Willie took Joel into the woods and strangled him. Uh, there's also uh, an account that Charles was with them or Pixie was with them like this. Some of these... Um, stories like who actually went to the woods and who wasn't uh you know is kind of all over the place but it definitely was Willie who took Charles out to the woods I mean who took Joel Willie took Joel out to the woods uh to strangle him uh he was buried close to Skipper uh Sherry would claim that Pixie actually helped with the murder uh there was also a claim that Charles uh, was there and that he was, uh, he was there, uh, with Willie the whole time. Willie was crying the entire time because he did not want to do this. Uh, I believe Willie was the youngest and, um, he also was, um, like mentally disabled, you know, but they obviously probably weren't very well educated you know, um, so there was an arrest warrant put out by the FBI, uh, a national arrest warrant for unlawful flight to avoid prosecution. Uh, and this was for Eddie and the entire family um, because they had fled uh, to Florida. So in January of 1994, Eddie made a phone call to his brother to Indiana and charged the call to an old number where they were able to trace the call 
to a payphone in Little Manatee River State Park. Um, there's also like some other accounts of like how he actually got caught, but it did all come down to like a phone call that was ended up traced that ended up being traced to them back uh, to this park that they were staying at. Um, uh, he it was also said that he was like staying with his brothers at the time uh, at the house and he had made two phone calls, but they eventually track Eddie and his family down to this park that they're staying at. On January 14th, 1994, the FBI uh, arrest, arrested uh, Eddie and Estelle in the parking lot of a Winn-Dixie grocery store. Uh, the authorities question the children, and Charles tells them everything, leading them to the bodies of Joel and Skipper. Uh, their bodies were brought back to Ohio so Joel's family could bury them. Uh, Joel's family opted out of a paternity test on Skipper. They w- wanted to just uh keep this child as their own they didn't want to know whether it was Joel's or not uh as Joel loved this child uh Charles was granted immunity for his help with authorities Eddie Estelle May Pixie and Willie were charged uh on November of uh, November of 1994 Eddie was sentenced to death and sent to Florida's Union Correctional Facility After some appeals, he was granted a second trial, uh, but was again sentenced to death. Uh, Eddie would pass away in prison in 2010. Estelle May was sent back to Ohio to be tried for sexual and uh, physical abuse on her children. Uh, She was sentenced to life in prison for complicity to rape. Uh, She was sent to Ohio's Reformatory for Women and Estelle May died in prison. Pixie pled guilty to manslaughter in the case of Skipper, sentenced to 6 to 12 years, and Willie was sentenced to 25 years for the death of Joel. And that is all I'm going to say on that today, because that was a rough one to get through. So, uh, you know, there is much more out there on this story, and I find true crime fascinating. And I will talk more about true crime on this podcast uh, going into the future uh, as well. But hopefully Saturday, uh, Teresa has a much more lighthearted story for next week. Um, You know, this one put Susie to sleep on the back of your chair, though. She seems to be fine with it. It's like when I listen to Unsolved Mysteries to go to bed at night. It's like, well, that's that's why I think this is in the cats are trained to be like, ah. Missing and murdered for three years. Mm. We're just going to go to bed. Um, (laughs) So, you know, I hope you all have a better rest of your day. Uh, I don't know if that helped at all. Probably not. Um, But, (laughs) you know, I'm going to wrap this one up. That is is the story of Eddie Lee Sexton. Thank you, Sabrina, for suggesting that. Um, Pretty crazy stuff there. Now, uh, you all know where to find this podcast. And if you don't, it's everywhere. Uh, Please (laughs) like, share, subscribe. Please tell your friends. Please look at my TikToks. And I hope you all have a spooky rest of your day. Uh, Creep it real. And uh, I'm out. (laughs) Ooh.